Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the CPL Newsroom Podcast. My name is Christian Jack. On this episode, we will review all four midweek matches in the Canadian Premier League, plus Canada 4, Haiti 1 from the Gold Cup on Thursday evening in Kansas City. Results this week in the Canadian Premier League, not as many goals. Still, we have storylines. That's why we're here. Halifax Wanderers nil, Pacific FC nil, York United nil, Cavalry nil, Forge 1, FC Edmonton, nil, and Valor FC 1, Atletico Ottawa, nil. We will, of course, recap those as we often do with our correspondents here. With me today on my usual newsroom team, gents, after the only goals this week were scored from penalties after handling in the box, give me the sport that you are best at that requires your hands. Charlie O'Connor-Clark, good morning. Uh, a sport that requires your hands. Uh, oh, actually, I was uh, I was on the varsity fencing team in university. Wow. Come on! Yeah, I think I think that would that would have to be it. Fencing, I love yeah. it. See, when I'm driving home, putting this rundown <laughs> together in my head last night after the Canada broadcast, I'm thinking. Actually, I won't give it away. I'm thinking lots of other sports that might come up here. Uh, I did not think fencing. Uh, Benedict well, Rhodes, what do you have for us? Maybe baseball. I don't really do a lot of sports with my hands, but that's probably the best one. Baseball. Okay, <laughs> Brady. Yeah, I don't know if it's a sport officially, but uh, spike ball. Do you guys know spike ball? Oh it's, yeah, it's a new craze. <laughs> oh it's yeah, like, it's like it's like volleyball and Foursquare had a baby. It's a uh, it's a good time. It's a really good time. Okay. It's a sport. I'll, I'll take it. I would oh. count it. Okay, we'll give it you, um, Marty. Seeing lots of spike ball in the bubble with some of the CPL teams. Um, sport I'm best at would probably be curling or esports. Probably curling. Curling. Marty's a big curler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a big curler. So, Don't so, ask me about it. I'll start talking about it for a long so time. So no, no rugby, no basketball. No. Uh, I, I, that didn't yeah. come up either. Interesting. Uh, Mine is uh, cricket, by the way. That was fair. the one thing I was actually good at. I, I discussed my rugby career on, on the last show, I think, and, yeah. and how that ended up going. So. <laughs> uh, okay, we will move on. Uh, talking about things, how they went going. Canada 4, Haiti 1 uh, from Kansas City. In the end, it was job done. Haiti do not make things easy, as we've said. Uh, in fact, Charlie, in your analysis, you wrote, quote from John Herdman, it's always a grind against them. Our boys showed again just that resilience to keep pushing through. They'll have moments. They'll come in those waves. And if we can match the intensity or quality, we'll come through. And in the end, the quality did come through. And in the end, Canada got goals. Uh, but this mm-hmm. was far from an easy game. And certainly, was if anyone didn't watch it, 4-1 maybe a little bit Uh you know, kind of painted a different picture than actually happened on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, especially maybe the the last 20, 25 minutes of the first half, Canada were really on the ropes for a little bit. They, they kind of just couldn't seem to get the ball back, and they were a little bit sloppy trying to just clear it. I think a lot of these players were maybe trying to be a little bit too... I, I think a lot of people would say they're being too cute with the ball at times. They, they right. just wouldn't you know put the ball into into rose ed sometimes when when that's not when that's necessarily the best option haiti really really were pressing they were there you know i think i think basically what their game plan was was to try and you know put pressure on canada in that first half before the inevitable you know wilting that they were probably going to go through in the second half just because uh, I, I mean, we should probably mention how how tough a situation it was for them, and how admirable admirable it was for them to to play that well because they had two outfield players on the bench. That's right. They were missing missing eight, I think, to to COVID nineteen uh, situation protocols and and tests and so on. Um, 
and and basically that I think that is what ultimately ended up happening to them because Canada could bring on a load of really talented players and triple substitutions <laughs> in the second half. I think it was you know Junior Hoylet coming on and, and Sam Piet and, and Richie Lai. Is that how we how he's asked us to say his name now? That's the way. Yep. There we go. I'll I'll get used to that. Um. So yeah, just to bring on these players in in the second half, Canada had that luxury and, and Haiti didn't. Um. But ultimately. You know, I think I think again, John Herdman. He goes back to what he said in the first game against Martinique. He wants to see this team in different situations. He wants to see them, you know, adapt to them and grow through them. And they kind of had to adjust their tactics a little bit to, to to maybe make sure that they were able to get the best out of out of their players going forward. And eventually, it it turned out just fine. I mean, mm-hmm. there were there were nervy moments, but job done. Yeah, job done. 20th win under John Herbin since he took over the men's team. 4-1, uh, the most common scoreline. Five times already <laughs> they've won 4-1. Uh, Benedict, your thoughts on Canada. And by the way, a quick shout out for Benedict's uh, extensively brilliant work on the women's team. We will be talking mm-hmm. a bit more about the women's team as their Olympic campaign gets going next week. That's right. The official Olympic date to start Tokyo 2020 will be listed as the 23rd. We know soccer games need a little more time off. Canada play Japan next Wednesday, 6.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Benedict's been all over that as well. So congrats on that great piece you can read at campl.ca previewing their campaign. What were your thoughts, Benedict, about the men's team against Haiti in this one? Yeah, a little bit nervy, I guess, in the first half. But uh, as Charlie sort of said, like as the game went on, Haiti did well a little bit. Uh, they only had, I think, three. I think Canada kind of stuck their throats a bit. And uh, two penalties kind of... Um, Sort of, sort of sealed the game late with a couple of late goals, and um, ultimately that sort of put the nail in the coffin, I guess. Yeah, they struggled to play at the back a little bit. Ollie and I kind of showed some clips on one soccer post match as well. Marty, what was your thoughts on it, and uh, what's the feeling inside the bubble when Canada plays? Is it is it is it, <laughs> is, it a, is it a discussion? Do teams come together a little bit more to see it? I know the Euro parties were happening inside the squads. Was it a little bit similar? Yeah, there were a couple of teams watching last night. Uh, heard a couple. Uh, heard a couple screams from 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 many parts of the all good all good screams of course um, yeah. I know there were some some of those uh, some of those nervy mo- moments as you mentioned um, yeah I mean I just like it, it is what it is I think Canada should should be expecting to win the game like you said it was like playing out of the back I'm glad that you and you and Ollie highlighted that because that really was a, a difficult spot and you're bang on that that's how teams are going to target Canada moving forward I mean it's it's it makes the most sense and. And you just got to clear it up. But yeah, another point you guys brought up too, which I really liked, was you know there are opportunities that come out of that, right? And when they were able to play out of the back, you know there was space in behind. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I thought it was good performance. Just can't wait for the U.S. U.S. on Sunday. We'll recap that on Monday, and then a quarterfinal has now been guaranteed for Canada, which will be the week later on the 25th. Uh, that's exciting, Brady. This is what this team wants, isn't it? I mean, as you mentioned, that 4-1 have been a common scoreline. Dominant results, I think. I've got the numbers somewhere else, but they've, they've outscored teams something ridiculous, like 86-6 or something in the victories in the John Herdman. It's, it is that big. Um, uh, but, you know, ultimately, competition is going to be coming their way pretty quickly with the United States and then likely Jamaica or Costa Rica in the quarterfinal, Brady. Yeah, and and I think they're they have one goal difference on on the U.S. right now, so that that scoreline ended up proving pretty massive. Ao comes off the bench and makes an instant impact, and and the biggest thing too is like, I don't know, the storyline coming out of it is all three of the goals come from set piece situations, but there's there's no negative undertone to that in my opinion. Like a beautiful free kick from Eustachio, and then two well earned penalties. Like how many times have we seen Richie? I'll I'll not attempt his last name yet because I'm still working on it, but. 
how many times have we seen Richie drive to that byline and draw penalties for club and country? Like that's, that's hard work. Right. And then same thing for AL. Those are earned goals in my opinion. So no shame in, in scoring from, from the set pieces. Yeah, Richie Laie has become Lye. a master at that in terms of mm-hmm. dribbling, as I, as I mentioned again last night on our broadcast. Toronto FC fans very familiar with that kind of left-back mm-hmm. chop in the box and just let it allow him to go down. Uh, Shout-out to Estacchio, as you mentioned, a true man-of-the-match performance. Maybe we won't mention his performance uh, behind the free kick in the second half. Uh, that was the best part of the game. That was the best part. That was awesome. John Herdman's poker face as he tried to hide his face with his hands at one point was a little bit, yeah... <laughs> That was, uh, that was really it, funny. A really interesting one as well. Uh, but yeah, hey, whatever. Whatever it takes to get around some archaic rules uh, to make sure he's playing in the quarterfinals yeah. and potential semifinal is all yeah. good with me. Uh, okay, that is the uh, summary of Canada for Haiti 1. You can read Charlie O'Connor-Clark's uh, analysis piece. It's an excellent one on campl.ca recapping that match. Let's get into the four games of the Canadian Premier League this week, and we'll go backwards, and we'll start with Valor, uh, the game that kicked off just earlier in Winnipeg because they wanted to obviously get the game in before Canada played Haiti in this one. Uh, Benedict, you are our correspondent in this here we go again more love for valor another clean sheet for valor another win for valor another penalty for valor this is one of the big trends coming out of this bubble yeah um not sure what else to say about about them in some ways like they just, they just, they just get it done don't they like another, another penalty as you said moses dyer stepping up again and converting a little stutter step this time to sort of mix it up a little bit um, yeah, they, they just look really good uh, offensively, defensively, solid enough, I guess, again, another clean sheet, it's fifth one in six games, fifth in a row for Sirwa as well. Uh, not a lot of complaints on, on their end of things, I don't think. Jonathan Siwa has been awarded our player of the week as well, so c- congratulations to him as uh, we announced that here on the show. Was he tested a lot in this one, Uh Benedict, because I think the theme here is that they are keeping clean sheets. Yes, he deserves the award, but this is a really difficult team to get behind. This is a really marshaled back line now. They've got a very organized back. Vaccaro, I know Charlie was first on him and he was bang on, has been tremendous. Peña's made Team of the Week twice already, as has Jean-Baptiste. Javara has been terrific playing in a different role. This is a really organized back four that don't give away many chances. Was it similar in this case as well? Yeah, and, and Rob Gale said as much after the game too. He said like Sirwa uh, obviously deserves the credit for keeping the ball out of net when, he, when he's tested, but I think they were tested three, four times I think on goal. So that's just as much credit as, as Rob Gale said to the back line and the ten players in front of him as well to prove that they're hard to break down and, and they're not getting many chances. Or the opposition is getting many chances, and and Sirwa is kind of just collecting the ball when he needs to, but for the most part, uh, is being stopped well at the pitch. Marty, they've only considered two goals in the six games. Both came in the same game. Both came against York. One was the crossing by Abzi for Lowell, Lowell Wright's header, which was a terrific goal. Given that. The other one was the silver goal, the, the mistake, when mm-hmm. Matt Silver comes out, literally handing a goal to them, basically. That's all. That That's it. This is, this is a, I mean, we've seen some impressive defensive resolute performances in this bubble, I think more than attacking football, but that is pretty impressive, very impressive six games in to just give away two moments like that. And it's something that Rob Gale touched on post-game, specifically comparing, you know, 2019 and, and 2020. I believe they gave out the most goals in 2019. They had a ton of defensive injuries at that time, if you recall. And you had players like Federico Pena that have really grown into their roles and have, have improved immensely. So, yeah, I mean, it just it just makes such a difference, right? It makes such a difference for this team. I mean, they've, they've scored nine goals as well. We should mention that. I know there's been a couple from from the penalty spot, but, you know, they're, they're still potting them in. Um, yeah. 
they're the home team, so we should expect that. And we're allowed to call them that. <laughs> we're allowed to call them the home team, right? Yeah. Oh, actually, I've got, I've got, I've got a gift from the Valor supporters group, by the way. Oh. Uh, they gave me this from the. Uh, they gave oh. me this from the uh, from oh, the stands. It's it's nice. a red card. They just wanted to say, uh, what do they want? They wanted to say that they've been doing this way before Cavalry and Forge. They stole their idea. So, or Barton Street Battalion and 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 the uh, uh, and the supporters groups and Cavalry. So. Yeah, that was that was fun. We haven't seen a red card yet either. This I know. Is the first red card in the CPL. Yeah. First red year. card of the season goes to Marty Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, your uh, thoughts on uh, on Valor here? And by the way, Galado started this game as well as a, as a, as a number ten. So great to see yeah. him out there. I know he, he didn't last an hour, but we didn't expect that. But this is a team that I think we could say is doing great, but maybe even better things to come for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, it's it's really it's really like incredible to think about because they've started the season so well and i mean you look at the record and you're like oh i i uh maybe they don't keep up that pace but then you look at the squad and the performances and you're like well why not mm-hmm. right um i i think i mean i know there's only two players on this team that were on that 2019 squad but it's really crazy to think that uh this is a club that gave up eight goals in a match two years ago because they're so so much better defensively now they're they're just so solid kind of at every every position. They've got players who will slot in anywhere. I mean, Daryl Fordyce, I think, will play any position on the pitch at this point um, and, and do so really quite well. Uh, Raphael Oheen will play the same position every game, but he'll cover every blade of grass. <laughs> they're, they're just a, a team that seems, you know, to really, really buy in together. To, to you know what the, what they want to do and they all seem to be kind of on the same page and I, I I'm not sure you know whatever they've they've used to motivate themselves whether it's one soccer clips or or our our preseason rankings or anything but they've really they've really galvanized uh, this club and and you know I think I think they've kind of been the first club to be able to find out you know a bit of an identity and, and a bit of a bit of a, a way that that you know they go about things in this season and and I it's going to be really tough for uh, them to not be, you know, I know it's the season's a lot, a lot longer than this, but you know, at this point you, you have to consider them, you know, a, a contender, right? I mean, no doubt. No doubt. Yep. might not have thought it from the start of the season, but it, it's unquestionable at this point. A nine point gap from them in the lead to the fifth spot, which is the one spot out of the playoffs already six games in nine yeah. point gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be, we'll be mentioning a little bit more about Val later in the show. Rapid fire, by the way, we'll also have some good questions in, in rapid fire. So stay tuned for that. Before we move on, Benedict, back to you. Mister again uh, after the game. He's a positive man. He's Charlie's mate. We know it. But, you know, what was the overall emotions from him? This is becoming a little bit... Uh, familiar too often is it not here uh in terms of what's happening with them again they play okay again they defend well again they don't score again no soto it's the same pattern every week yeah i mean that's the gist of it i think it's just he, he said on a lot of his pregame press conferences as well they, they want to improve defensively they want to improve offensively and i don't think we saw either one of those things in this game and i think he was so sort of quick to note that as well like um for example offensively they didn't seem very like by much of a unit, they, they Malcolm Shaw was again isolated for a lot of part of that game. Zach Verhoeven had some good runs on the side, but which Mister did praise, but there wasn't a lot of, of link up there. And um, again, Mister just kept reiterating he, he they need to improve that. 
four games without a goal. The only team, not the only team, by the way, we'll get to another team like that <laughs> later in the show as well. Stay tuned for that. Um, all right, let's move on to Forge. They defeated FC Edmonton by one goal to nil on the late cap on Wednesday. Mobabuli with a penalty. Um, this was a very good performance from them. We've got, we know there's a lot of players that are injured. For example, both center backs who started the season, Kruitsen and Yakovic are not playing. Borges only came on. No Grant. Uh, you know, so many players who we, we could go on and on. Uh, we're not going to name them all, but they played a different shape. They played a back three, uh, which kind of morphed into a four occasionally, but a back three with Sabak playing as a false nine. I watched this game really closely and was and did the analysis piece online, but interested to hear your thoughts. Let's go with you first, Marty, on this. I felt this was really a champions flexing their muscle kind of performance. What did you think? Well, yeah, this is just this is just a team going through some some pretty incredible adversary adversity. You mentioned some of the injuries. You know, we did see Maxime Tissot and interest in Borges come on in the second half, but you know, they certainly weren't ready. I, I, I think I think Bobby would would admit as much, Coach Bobby. Um, like you know, Kyle Becker, what did he have? Like ninety three percent passing percentage in 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 the in the opposing half. Um, like Sabak was, I know you touched on it in your in your piece, Christian, but like was brilliant, just sort of tucking into the pockets and finding space. And like I don't know, this is yeah, it was it was just a it was just a clutch performance. I think Dominic Samuel has been one of the better players at at in Winnipeg so far. He was brilliant. Ashnodi Janssen, you mentioned he was kind of playing in the middle of a back three. He's not a center back. Mm-hmm. There was just, you know, there was just countless reasons why this this victory, even though it was one nil uh, for the penalty spot, was impressive. Yeah, w- when I watch this team, I feel like they are the most obviously the they've got the most consistency but i think that helps in terms of collective intelligence so when yep. bobby plays a system like that i felt that they executed it to a t even though they said they only introduced it a couple of days before and yes it's not an enormous contrast to the way that they play bobby sminiotis mentioned that after the game when i touched on it yes you mentioned Jonsson. he would often drop it anyway and it kind of can morph into a three yeah. but it just appears that their collective football iq is so superior to other teams at the moment and there's lots of reasons for that. Continuity might be at the very, very top, Charlie, but they mm-hmm. can go out and play a game that level in different ways and have the spacing on the field because of their, I think, the level of intelligence that each individual player can bring. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I certainly can't think of a game that Forge entered with a back three. That uh, uh, Nothing comes to mind because they've always kind of been fairly fairly sticking to that that four three three, but right. you know they come into this this game with with the new the new ideas, the lots of new players kind of in there in in sort of maybe not their favorite position. And yeah, I think as you said, it is kind of this team just has kind of a tactical identity so built in that they're able to to see exactly how they they can execute that. You know, no matter where they are on the pitch, and I I don't know. If it's you know making better use of training time, or or if it's just that they have, you know, played a lot of you know high intensity games and in Concacaf and and in all the finals they've been to the the two finals they've been to, um, the, this team just does seem to understand exactly what Bobby Smirniotis wants. I think, and I and it's probably a credit to the players for. For being so, you know, tactically minded and, and able to to pick up on that, and also probably credit to this coaching staff for being able to, you know, explain this and and you know, dictate exactly what this identity needs to look like. Because yeah. Forge always does look like they, they never look particularly phased, really. No matter like how who's on the pitch, no matter what the score is, they always look like they know what they're doing. And I think that's maybe 
one of the greatest marks of of a good football team is they never look out of sorts. And, and a friendly, re- yeah, yeah, friendly reminder: like six players in the starting eleven have been there since 2019, yeah. and most of those had played with Bobby at Sigma. Exactly. So you know that that's just like it's it's continuity that is even with you know even with some of the other teams they're starting to see now trying to get into rhythm. It's still ultimately unmatched at this at this league, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I'll, I'll be giving love to another Forge player later in the show in Rapid Fire. Stick around for that. As, as for FC Edmonton, Alan Koch after the game and Paris G both kind of sung from the same hymn sheet. They're still preparing to get out of the bubble, you know, with some more answers. They still feel like they're in preseason. They're still, they're still kind of struggling. We did ask a, a while ago on our show, when will we see Wachewski and Ongaro together? The answer <laughs> was, well, we saw it in the second half. They were losing 1-0 to the champs. Alan Koch said, well, we didn't try it much in trading, but hey, let's give it a shot. And I think actually they get they, they were a little bit better in the second half, particularly against that shape. Uh, but in the end, FC Edmonton still struggling to score. A little bit of a familiar theme. Uh, we mentioned only two penalties this week in the four games. The fatigue is really settled, setting in. We've heard that a lot from coaches this week. Uh, I think I did the math. 46 goals so far this season, 23 games. You don't have to be a math IQ man to understand that that is exactly <laughs> two goals per game uh, so far in the Canadian Premier League. Hopefully we'll have more going forward. But that is the case for FC Edmonton uh, so far through the, the, the bubble, getting a little bit more tighter and better defensively, no question about it, but still struggling to score. Let's move on. Halifax Wanderers, nil Pacific FC, nil Brady, our man on the beat for this one. Your overall impressions on what didn't seem to be a dull nil-nil game in this one no not at all i thought uh i thought halifax were a little little better value and i think even you know some of the pacific players kind of alluded to that in their in their post-match availability you know lucas mcnaughton said we're a team that you know like to come out and take the first 10 minutes to kind of dictate the tempo and we've seen them do that several times so far in the bubble and halifax they just didn't allow it i Karaj Ivanovich, Garcia, Marshall, all these guys were, were pressing high. They were in their face, you know, just trying to disrupt the flow. And I think from that point on, at least until the half, it really was Halifax's game. And then it, they, they were, they looked the better side. And then when they needed, you know, like that, that game saving moment, Christian Oxner was there to provide that. So I think, I think they were probably the happier of the two teams. And, uh, and in the end, like Oxner was the guy who kind of preserved that single point. They feel like they've they've got some momentum going, Halifax, yeah. don't they, Brady? A little mm-hmm. bit here. I mean, I think of all the teams that were not outside, uh, the teams that are out. I mean, Pacific. Obviously, we talk about Valor, but Pacific, Forge, Cavalry. They're always going to get the respect. They're going to get a lot of the preseason picks to make the playoffs. Here comes Halifax. Not really ever a sleeper in the finals last year, but now yeah. suddenly after a slow start, people not really looking like they're getting their attention for teams. Didn't score for the first three games, but the way they've been playing away from the results, Brady, you just alluded to the new better team. There's a lot of signs for progress here. Yeah, and again, like we've spoke about this a bunch, like arguably their two first choice center backs are still unavailable to them. So that's that's an impressive performance in itself. But I like I like the balance of their right side probably as much as any team in the league right now. I love I love the way Maury Donor's bombing forward and, and it kind of allows for Marshall to tuck in and, and overload the middle of the park. And, you know, we've mentioned Ongaro, Garcia, these big names who've been around the league who have yet to score, but I don't think anybody is more due for a goal than Kara Jovanovic. He is just like all over it right now. I, I feel for the guy, but like it, it is coming. Marty, what was that stat you shared yesterday about touches in the box? It was like an absurd amount that he was past everybody. Yeah, look this up. Stefan has 36 touches in the opposing box, and yeah. the next closest, or yeah, 36, and the next closest player is Bustos at 23. Yeah, like he almost has what? like an extra third of touches in the box. I, I went yeah. a bit deeper too, if you don't mind. Like he he has the third highest expected goals um, in the league mm-hmm. right now at 1.38. Um, and the ironically, there are there are three players in the top 10 
of expected goals that have yet to score. And it's Alex Marshall, Akeem Garcia and Kerry Ivanovich. So it's just like, you know, the, the numbers show that, you know, you, you touched on it there. The numbers show that this is a team that's playing a lot better than the results indicate. And by the way, those numbers are excellent. I used a ton of those for my, for when, when I wrote up my players of the week, team of the week, Gatorade Team of the Week on Monday. And you can get access to those numbers if you're listening to them going, this is some kind of inside uh, information. No, you can get it. You know, it's Marty, it's, it's, it's available, <laughs> yeah. right? Marty, CPL data. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, shout out, yeah. Shout out to, shout out to Center Circle Data, I should mention. They've been doing some great team reports as well. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a must follow on Twitter. Must follow. Yes, my, my good friend Stephen Scott, all behind that. Uh, so shout yes. out to Stephen, who does great work as well. Uh, my intern in the 2016 Euros at TSM. Wow. So great guy. Really? Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, known Stephen for a very long time. Uh, oh. So every credit that he's doing some great job here at the Canadian Premier League as well. As for Pacific, Bustos was who would have been a real candidate. I know he got a couple of votes for Player of the Week uh, after an outstanding performance uh, in the first game. Bit quieter here. I guess, again, more yeah. credit to Halifax, Brady, in terms of shutting him down. Yeah, and credit specifically to Corey Bent, a guy who's not a natural left back, but was incredible in the first half, honestly. And he just unfortunately ran his race, possibly like a groin injury there. And like we, we spoke about the heat and his conditions, that that stuff's inevitable. But you know, it's a next man up mentality for Halifax right now. They're they're buying into this. You know, they're they're missing guys, but they're not making excuses for themselves. And Kareem South slides out to the left, and Mizut Mert basically said he thought he was a guy who you know had had the pace to keep up with Bustos and. He didn't want to tinker with things too much just because, you know, Restrepo is a natural left back, but he had he had a hell of a game in the middle of the park. He just he didn't want to move him. And so that was maybe the quietest game we've had seen Bustos have. Maybe maybe the one against York where they're super physical, but he had the least amount of touches amongst starters on his team. And, and he had that one chance from a, a turnover, but it was from outside the box. I think, you know, with Christian Oxner in goal, pretty good shot stopper. You're going to you're going to have to live with that with Bustos if that's his best chance of the game. Yeah, Restrepo, every credit for the shout-out, has been very good for them. What a crucial player he's become for them, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, with a lot of key injuries. All right, move on to the fourth game. Uh, York nil, Cavalry nil. Charlie, this was a bruising affair. You you wrote, with five yellow cards, 28,130 duels. There's no denying this was a taxing match for both sides. Add in the fact that, obviously, games are coming thick and fast with very, with very little rest in between. Um, but a nil-nil game again, much like Brady's, that had a lot of chances, and it certainly wasn't Dower. Yeah, it did. I I know that this was a nil-nil match, but I think that of the four in, in this midweek, I think this was probably the most entertaining, maybe by some margin. Um, and and I think maybe it's time to talk about how York and Cavalry is is sneaking up as one of the better rivalries in this league, because every time they play, it seems to be kind of like this. And and you know both both managers kind of throwing a little shade the other team's way after the game. I think I think uh, Jimmy Brennan and and uh, and one of the one of the York players I think it was Noah Verhoven was pointing out how uh, how Cavalry really wants to try and knock teams out of rhythm with their physicality and and by physicality apparently they mean they've been yelling foul from the bench when <laughs> somebody's running up the pitch with the ball, which is hilarious. Uh, and 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 Cavalry wasn't so happy with with how York was playing either. They. Uh, they took, I think it was like four of the five yellow cards in this game, but Tommy Wielden Jr. certainly felt that that York should have had a few of them as well. Um, but yeah, this was this was a really, really interesting football match because both teams were just really at each other's throats for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And they like there was a lot of it ended up happening in midfield. I mean, Cavalry had a lot of the ball, but I think I think in the first half, York kind of was able to to press a few times. D D Nabsey had 
a few pretty interesting little little runs into into space and they tried to to beat them in the air with some crosses but generally cavalry probably played a little bit better they had more of the ball they kind of grew into it i think we would say they they as as the second half wore on they made a few substitutions i think i think joe di chiara came in and he's always going to uh spice things up in in a match that's already very physical <laughs> but this is my kind of game yeah. he said yeah oh that is that is the type of game that he was born to play in putting gas <laughs> on a bonfire exactly exactly it's uh it was dangerous and i'm I, i'm almost surprised that uh there were 22 players on the pitch at the end of that game <laughs> well there was no red card because marty already got it so. marty already yeah marty already had it um <laughs> yeah, ref kept checking his pocket just wasn't there what about, yeah. Cav- what about Cavalry, Charlie? Because there's four games now without a goal. We t- we-, we alluded to it earlier with Ottawa as well. Uh, any major concerns? Uh, what's Tommy saying after the game? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's... I mean, if you go four games without scoring after being, you know, one of the better scoring teams in this league, you you can't just brush it off. You can't say that it's not a concern. Um, and I think, I think basically the way they're looking at it is they are overthinking it a little bit in attack, in, in the box. I think Tommy said that he sees his strikers getting into the box and taking an extra touch when they don't need to. I he made some Carlo Ancelotti reference to to Dominic Calvert Lewin and, and said that you know most goals in the world are, are scored with one touch finishes, and that's maybe something that that he's going to be working on in training in these these next couple of days just to get guys to kind of kind of get more into the mindset of if if you have the ball in the box just put it in just just put a goal where don't you know don't overthink it just you know tap it tap it towards the goal and eventually one of them's going to go in and the floodgates will open and i i think that's kind of what they've got to do they've got to try not to get into their own heads i think anthony novak is a player who had some great chances in this game and he was one-on-one with the goalkeeper a few times but we saw him kind of try to open up the goalkeeper or, or take it from his left foot to his right foot and look for maybe a more open shot when you know we know that he's a very good finisher and i think Tommy described him as instinctive at his best. Mm. And maybe we didn't see that and we haven't necessarily seen that with the ball at his feet in the box so far. He's been very good at dropping deep and, and making these passes and creating. But for him to be, you know, the goal scorer that we know we can be, he just needs to, you know, not think about it and just put the ball in the net. And I think once it once it happens again, goal scoring is always a thing where uh, it, it 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 it's a lot based on form and, and confidence, and if you miss a lot of chances, your confidence goes away, right. and eventually, eventually, you just you just need a simple one. Yeah, you yeah. can see Anthony was a bit frustrated at that game too, because I mean he he's had a couple of good chances throughout this entire season as yet to mm-hmm. score. Right, it's been a bit disappointing for sure. Yeah, the Carlo Ancelotti reference comes from when Dominic Calvert-Lewin had a little bit of a slow uh, run mm-hmm. after a really good start this season, and he brought up Pipo Inzaghi, the great striker that Carlo Ancelotti mentioned about saying uh, the, Inzaghi always used to score with one touch, and that's what I need to work on with Calvert-Lewin. That's um, what it was. Yeah, that's uh, definitely what it was. Uh, okay, um, Charlie, back to you quickly on York. Chris Novick-Ensar was given man of the match. They're obviously still down both centre-backs, Thompson and Zator. They are staying in games. We know that, I think, right from 
even before they were not called York United, they've become mm-hmm. the draw specialists of the Canadian Premier League. Yeah. Even in their new branding and new name, they remain the draw specialists of the Canadian Premier League. One win and only one loss so far. They are in games. I know they got smashed by Pacific just because of the Busto show, but they were in that game as well. Uh, and, you know, this is a young team with the key players out and able to really compete on this level. And if they can continue to do that, they're going to be in the conversation for the playoff spot most of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's ba- that's basically what it is. They just you know they hang in there, and and if nothing else, this York team is always going to be incredibly difficult to to beat and to put on the back foot for longer than you know short stretches of the game. I think this this back line. I mean, with Jordan Wilson and, and Chris Nivagensa at center back, neither of whom are center backs normally. And, you know, Max Ferrari playing right back, uh, which you know, good for him. That was that's a really tough job and. He looked like he was hurting a little bit towards the end. But yeah, this this worked a lot better than it did against Pacific. They seemed to kind of settle into those roles a little bit. They weren't maybe as as jumpy in defense because, you know, sometimes if you're a midfielder or a fullback, you're able to jump up a little bit more and, right. and press a little bit harder. Whereas when you're playing center back, you maybe forget that there's nobody behind you other than the goalkeeper and you have to keep your shape. You can't really be be pulled out of position. And I think, I think Wilson and Ensa had a better understanding of, of that that positioning in this game and they were on maybe the same page they they weren't really breaking the line to uh, in this game they they were just a lot a lot more comfortable i mean ensa as well was able to do some of the things that make him really great at fullback he was able to play the ball out and i think i think last year he was among the top players in the league in tackles one despite being a fullback and he might he had three really really important ones in this game i think a couple slide tackles through the box uh, on Anthony Novak to to maybe save the game a little bit. So I think Jimmy Brennan will be a lot happier with, with the way that they are able to, to deal with the situation this time. Yeah, I think the adversity thrown at this team as well is just, uh, this makes them so fun. Like, Ensa's just, he's a great personality. You know, uh, Toussaint, for me, is a really impressive young midfielder. Os Ramiro's played up front with Lowell Wright in this game for the first time and held the ball up pretty well. I thought he did okay. You know, they're just a really good young team. They're going to be, you know, young players need opportunities to be able to succeed through failure. They can have a bad game here and know that they're going to get playing again. That's what's the beauty of this team. And uh, yeah, I, I just like him. Benedict, final word for you on, on York Cavalry. What did you think overall of these two teams? And, you know, ultimately, are they where we expected them to kind of be through through five or six games here? Yeah, yeah it was an exciting game, of course. Uh, Charlie mentioned the sort of fireworks made it an interesting game to watch. And, as for where we expected them, I'd say so. I think we knew Calvary were going to be near the top, maybe a little bit higher than, um, maybe a little bit higher than where they are now. I just think, as you mentioned, the the goal drought hasn't done them any favors. But mm. um, I think if you always New York was going to have a season on the sort of edge of the bubble, and the fact that they're turning potential losses into draws is is, is very York, but it's also a very impressive thing for, for such a young team and an experienced team. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, guys, let's get through to our final segment of the show. Rapid fire. Valor are the trending topic in the Canadian Premier League at the moment. 15 points, five wins from six. Already have a nine-point gap on the five, on the fifth spot at the playoffs. If you had to write one word to describe Valor so far this season, Brady Reed, what would you come up with? I would say mature. Five clean sheets and five wins is, is mature for me. Marty? Favorites. Whoa. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Love it. Favorites. Here we go. 
Golly, <laughs> love this. Uh, Defiant. Defiant, love it. And uh, Benedict. I'm going to say Dream. Whoa, love it. What about resilient? I think they're a real resilient group, this team. Yeah. Um, a new, oh, next question. A new Canadian Premier League fan has only watched this season and never won game before. He wants you to tell him one player who is much better than what he has seen so far this season. In other words, which player has so far not played that well, but you know, trust me, if you're a new CPL player, this player is way better than what you've seen so far. Charlie? Uh, I, th I think it, it's obvious. I think the answer is Tristan Borges. Tristan yep. Borges, good shout. He's way Body. better than this. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, it might, it might, yeah, it might have to be Tristan Borges for me. Okay, Brady, you got anybody else, or is it Tristan Borges all the way through? Uh, I'll go. I'll go with Key Garcia. He won the Golden Boot last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking about that too. Benedict, anybody? Oh, I'll mix it up as well. I'll go for Anthony Novak. I think he's due for a goal, and when he does, he'll, he'll score a bunch of them. There we go. Okay, good shouts. I think Borges is the favorite, though. Uh, all right, another one for you. An MLS GM has called you today and said, give me one CPL player you would have zero doubt about playing regularly for me right now. Major League Soccer player GM wants you to give him a, a player that you'd have no doubt playing for him right now. Brady. And you had, you initially made the the Latif Blessing, Ray Fohin comparison, so I'm going to go with Ray Fohin. I think he could do a job in midfield for for anybody in a moment less. Uh, Marty? That's true. I'm going to go Amir Didich for FC Edmonton. Good shout. Benedict? I'm going to go for Didi Nabzi. I think there's a few Canadian teams especially you could use him at left back. Yeah. Jolly? Uh, I'll go with Kwame Awua because he's, he's, he's also done yeah. it before. Yeah, he certainly has. Sure. I'll stay with Forge and I'll go with Alex Ashnioni Jansen, who I think this player is so underrated. He reminds mm -hmm. me a little bit about Gustav Svensson, who I know is Swedish as well, who plays for the, who played for the Seattle Sounders. Uh, but he's the same kind of player, and 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 I think that when uh, Bobby Smuniosa said this week when I asked about him, he, he summed it up perfectly about how cerebral and how his understanding of the game. Uh, so for me, I thought he was brilliant again this week, and that was a player I think right away. Wow, if he could play one game right now in MLS today, he could he'd be absolutely fine. All right, the schedule for this weekend continues. Games have been moved to this evening uh, in the evening slots again to protect the health of the players. Halifax Wanderers kick it off on Saturday at seven o'clock Eastern against Cavalry Pacific against Forge. What a clash that is! Is the nightcap Valor against York on Sunday at seven thirty p.m. Eastern follows the Canada USA USA game in the come on match of the week and Atletico Ottawa versus FC Edmonton wrap it all up at 10 30 on Sunday evening boys uh game you're looking forward to the most Brady I'll go Pacific Forge assuming Forge have 11 players available to them <laughs> I think they may just have at least 14 <laughs> or 15 Marty uh I'm gonna go Halifax and, and Calvary this the snake bitten Derby someone will have mm. to score there you go it has to it. happen Benedict I'm going to go for Atletico Ottawa and FC Edmonton. I think both teams need some goals, need a win. That should be a make for an exciting game. Charlie? Uh, I'll go back to Pacific and Forge. I won't won't complete the four. That's good. All right, that's <laughs> fine. All right, uh, let's uh, remind everybody that you can go and predict the results for those games, and there's lots of tons of fun prizes that you can win there as well, including a trip to the finals in November, campl.ca slash predictor we will pronounce our picks here and help you out a little bit halifax cavalry uh marty that's your match of the week what do you think is going to happen this week three three 
three top. I'll go. I'll go. That would uh, be amazing. Would we all? Can we all sign up for a three three? Who's in for a three three? <laughs> That's oh, three, yeah, three. Yeah, you know what? No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm doing. Three, I'm doing three three. 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 Uh, yeah. Carry Ivanovich with a brace. He's due. Going. He's yeah. due. No doubt. <laughs> Pacific Forge uh, prediction. Uh, Brady. I'll go two to one Forge. Let's keep the goals coming. Valley York Charlie. Let's go to you for that one. Oh, do they stumble? That's a tough one. Do they stumble? It's, yeah, two, two one York. That that was the only time Valor yeah. stumbled already. Can you yeah. imagine? We might be recapping on Monday. Valor falling over York hurdles twice already inside the bubble. We'll wrap it up with you, Benedict. Atletico Ottawa FC Edmonton, ten thirty Sunday night. Will they entertain us? Uh, I'm gonna get say no. I'm gonna say no, no. <laughs> 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 All right, buddy. That's a fair. hey, hey. We're trying to advise the public here what the best scores to put it in there. And Benedict delivered, and no, no. If they do, if you are wrong, then we'll call you out, and we'll be delighted to call you out on Monday's show when we'll we recap. All those four games. We will also pre. We'll also recap the United States against Canada in the Gold Cup as well. By then, we will know Canada's opponent for the quarterfinals, and uh, we'll probably have a better idea, at least anyway, where they're going to finish in the group. And we'll have people to preview that. And of course, the Olympics, Canada women's soccer starts next week as well. How exciting that will be! As for now, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, boys. Continue to have a good week. Enjoy the matches, and we'll see you soon.